Matthew chapter 9. We'll read verse 12. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 9, and then we'll read verse 12. The story on what's going on is that Jesus Christ is that he's having compassion with the sinners and there's salvation in the home, and then he's fellowshipping with them. And what happens is that these Pharisees and Sadducees get upset at Jesus and they accuse him for fellowshipping with sinners. But Jesus Christ said a very important line where in verse 12, <clears throat> but when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. And that's very telling. Jesus tried to let the Pharisees and Sadducees learn that those who need a physician, those who need uh, God, yes. those who need healing, are those that are sick, not those that are perfected. That's right. <clears throat> so... In our day and age, we can all admit that we are very sick people. Yeah. Yeah. It's a famous saying amongst uh, churches is that a church is a hospital for sick people. Mm. The reason why that's been a famous saying is because you can't expect a perfect Christian church. Yeah. And that's been the problem with the Pharisees and Sadducees. They had a high expectation of what a perfect church should be. But then God, he pointed out here that, no, it's filled with very sick people. And then it showed me from this passage the good news, if you know you're a sick person, if you're going through a certain sickness in your life. And I'm not just talking about a literal, physical, fleshly sickness, but I'm talking about a sickness where you're struggling with financially, a sickness that you're struggling with... Uh, <laughs> oh, excuse me. Oh, man, man, my allergies are kicking in or something. I think I'm sick. Yeah, that was the point of my message right now. I deliberately did that, okay? So, you might be struggling uh, with the sickness financially. You might be struggling with the sickness spiritually. And I think that you have to understand that when you're in sickness, that's where you get healing. Only when you're hurt... Do you get the physician? Right. And I think that's what we forget. What we forget is during times of hurt, we do receive our healing. That hurt is used for good. That hurt is used for our betterment. But a lot of times when we go through hurt, we, mo we moan and we groan. Mm -hmm. And this sermon, I hope, will be a blessing to you. And the title of my message today is Healing Comes From Hurting. Let's pray. Heavenly Father. It is only through pain, through suffering, and through hurt that your glory is magnified even more. And I pray that people will come to realize that. And this preaching will touch people's hearts and change their lives. And I pray that whatever pain we're struggling with, that we'll remember the healing behind it. And that we'll have the right thoughts in place so that we can live happily in our Christian walk. And live powerfully in our Christian walk. That will glorify and honor you. All I can do now is leave it at your hands. Guide me in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Now, my first point is appreciating chastisement. Appreciating chastisement. I think you might recall last Sunday's sermon, and that was pretty much the bottom line, is that when God puts us through punishment, that there is something that we can find hope in and comfort in and appreciation in. And it's kind of going to expound a little bit on that. And when we go through chastisement from the Lord, it's hard to appreciate. Yeah. Let's be honest, it's hard to appreciate it. Yeah. A lot of times we think about we reap what we sow, yeah. and we think about the consequences of our sin, or God chastising us, and that always puts a dread in our mind, and nobody loves it, nobody enjoys it. In Proverbs chapter 20, verse 30, it reads, however, the blueness of a wound <clears throat> cleanseth away evil, so do stripes the inward parts of the belly. So the Bible shows here that in chastisement, it could be labeled as a blueness of a wound. But God sees this as something that can cleanse away impurities. And that's the thinking of our world, is that the thinking of our world is that we've gotten so hypersensitive that the thought of that in Scripture would make us cower. And it would make us shiver. But God, He actually embraces pain. 
Just like Jesus did on the cross, oh, yeah. right? Yeah, that's good. So when there's an embracement of pain, there's not a crying out for, you know, more government spending and give us a bigger handout or my rights and my rights. That's how sensitive that we've gotten that we cry for anything out there. That's right. But God, he see. So you notice that we've fallen into that path. All right, so you may not follow into that kind of thinking and you might not be the one rioting, but the point is, is that you've cut, you've fallen into that kind of generation and that culture. So then when they're suffering in life, you're not suffering like the martyrs back then, yeah. but that yeah. suffering makes you whine and cry and then you cower and you shiver and you throw away your Christianity just because of that. When there are plenty of people who went through worse suffering than you did. So in that case, what we have to do is change our thought pattern. We have to change our thought pattern that when there is such suffering in life, that there should be appreciation. In Hebrews 12, 11, it shows, Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous. Well, of course. Yeah. <laughs> but grievous. Well, duh. <laughs> yeah. Who loves uh, chastening? Who loves suffering? Nevertheless, afterward, it yielded the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Mm -hmm. And see, no one is joyful about chastisement, but the word of God shows that we should be joyful. Why? Because it finally makes us live righteously for him. Uh, there was <clears throat> some people that uh, I talked to before. And then they mentioned about the suffering or the reaping what they've sown. And then I've told... Uh, one such person that, so, you know, thank God that it's now and not later. Yeah. Thank yeah. God that it's now rather than the judgment seat of Christ. Yeah. Yeah. So why? Because it's cleansing away the evil already and we're on our step for holiness. Yeah. So might Lord. as well be now. Yes. Amen, brother. Yes. <clears throat> Without God's chastisement, think about it. If God didn't put the chastisement, if God didn't put the suffering to cleanse away the sin that you committed in your past records then uh, what will finally motivate you to live righteously for him? Sometimes kids don't get it unless you're serious with them, right? Criminals don't get the memo unless they put a harder justice system, right? See, the point is, is that when they know that, hey, I'm about to lose everything right here, then they finally wake up and then they start to get right with the Lord. That's right. Or start to do the right things. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, that's us. Why? Because we're weak, human, sinful flesh. Yeah, yeah. help us, Lord. And that's why you should be grateful when the Lord puts the chastisement on you. You might say, why is that? Because he finally taught you what humility means. You proud know-it-all you. The one that knows so much Bible. Now I made you a little bit more humble, right? Oh, why would God allow the pain and suffering, the chastisement, and finally teach you about gentleness and love? It's good, yeah. You hard know-it-all, you Pharisee, you. And you finally learn what gentleness means and love me. Why would God allow chastisement in my life? It's so that you can finally be on the path toward holiness. Because if he never did that with you, then later on in life, you're going to eat it harder. Yes. And yes. at the judgment seat of Christ is worse. Wow. Rather pay it all down here rather than up there. Yeah. I mean, that's why you should be grateful. I know that uh, the Bible says now no, uh, my answer to you is now no chastening. For the present seemeth to be joyous, yeah. but grievous. Nevertheless, it yieldeth afterward the peaceable fruit. The fruit. Fruit. You finally produce fruit for the Lord, like yeah. you should. Praise the Lord. Finally, that fleshly, non-motivated, sinful creature that you are got motivated to finally do something for him. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5 through 7 says, And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children, my son. Despise not thou the chastening of the Lord. Hear that? Despise yep. not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. Here's the comfort. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If he endure chastening... God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? You know what that verse points out? The verse points out that because you're God's son, yes. and because he's your father and he loves you, that's the reason why that he'll correct you and he'll chasten you for your fault. Now, the thing is, is that a true, genuine father from this passage 
What they do is that a parent does not like to correct or to punish the child. Right. Unless you're giddy and you're messed up in the head. <laughs> but a parent does not like to correct or to punish the child. Why? Because the child is born from them. It's not like when a mother gives birth to a baby that you want to hurt the baby, right? You want to coddle. You want to cherish it. And then you see that child growing up. But the thing is, is that a parent does not like to correct or punish the child because it's stressful. But you know what? Because a parent values and loves the child so much. Hey, that's good. And say, hey, I don't want your future to become worse. Or you become a messed up person. And that's the reason why that they would take the charge. And even if it hurts their flesh, the parent's flesh. Right, I'm not right. talking about the child. I'm not about the parent's flesh. Even if it hurts them that they do the correction or the punishment, they'll nevertheless do it. Why? Because they love the child. Sometimes it's hard, to, you know, if you're... I don't know if some of the people experience that in the Sunday school class, but you don't like to do the discipline. You don't like to uh, lay out the restrictions, especially when, when kids, you know, when a little kid just cries in front of you or does the lower lip, especially if the kid's so cute, then you just feel so guilty and hurt, right? But you can't let that blind you. Yes, yes. Because you care more about the cuteness... That's more than you care about the child. Wow, wow. See, if you really care about the child, you're going to overlook at how your flesh is pleased by the cuteness. Right, right. And you're going to discipline the child and correct the child if you truly are a parent that loves a child. Right, right. And see, that's the thing is that don't you think that God loves us more as his children than we love our own children? Amen. That's good. Amen. Yeah. You know why? Because God bled and died for us. Yeah. Yeah. Was tortured for us. Yeah. Yeah. Did it for all of mankind and didn't just do it for his children, you got to realize. He did it for his enemies. Amen. He did it for his enemies. So his love is greater than yours and mine. Amen. So do you think that he enjoys beating up his children? He doesn't. So the thing is, is that what God wants us to understand is when we go through chastisement, is to understand that he doesn't enjoy it either. And he's not happy. But all of us should be rejoicing in the fact that this is done out of love and for our betterment. Yeah. That's what God wants us to focus on. And that's got what God wants us to do. You know, we should appreciate God for his chastisement because it's harder for him to discipline us than to bless us. Can I repeat that again? It's harder for him to punish us than to bless us. You might say, really? Yeah, the Lord's not willing that any should perish. That all should come to repentance. Lord didn't want us to be punished justly for what we deserve, so he died for us. Yes. He took our punishment instead. Wow, you know how hard it is for God, for you to be chastised by him, than for uh, him to bless you? It's easy for him to bless you. But he knows then that the sin will slide, and the consequences will grow, and the pain will grow. So he says, I'm going to do it now, child. So when he lends that punishment now before you commit a sin, you better thank God for that. Yes, yes, because yes. maybe it'll turn into an addiction and then you go further down the road, God forbid. Wow. So you should appreciate chastisement. You know, if you're being punished for your sin, appreciate what the Lord's doing for you because it's not easy for him. He's a part of you. When you're going through pain, he has to go through the pain. You should say thank you, Lord. When's the last time you thanked him for the punishment and the judgment that you went through in sin? That's hard to do. When's the last time you did that? God, I know it's not easy that you did this to me, so thank you. Woosh! Yeah. All right, uh, automatically, we can close service here and start an yeah. altar call right now. Yeah. Right, right. Preach All right, let's look at 2 Kings chapter 20. 2 Kings chapter 20. I want you to turn to 2 Kings chapter 20. There's one thing I want you to learn from Hezekiah's case. Hezekiah, he did a foolish sin by showing his enemies, the Babylonians, everything in his kingdom. Like his weaponry, his artillery, his, um, everything that he organized in his office. I mean, he laid out all the secrets, his civilization, his technology, so to speak. Laid out everything to his enemy. And then Isaiah pointed out, look. It's just common sense that if you were to do that, 
that the enemies are going to use this against you. So guess what? The Lord's going to punish you for that. The enemies are going to use that against you. And you know what Hezekiah responded? Look at 2 Kings chapter 20. Look how he responded when God is going to punish Hezekiah. He points out at verse 19. Then said Hezekiah unto Isaiah, Good is the word of the Lord, which thou hast spoken. And he said, Is it not good if peace and truth be in my days? That's the right heart. That's the right heart that Hezekiah said, Yeah, okay, so I deserve that chastisement. I deserve that punishment from the Lord because I've done a stupid sin. But there are two things that helped him to appreciate chastisement that might help you. One is God's way is best for him despite of his punishment. He said, good is the word of the Lord which thou hast spoken. In other words, God's way of doing things is better than his preference, what he would like. I would usually say this to people is a challenge is that... Uh, do you really want God to give you everything that you wanted and you asked? Wow. And then usually what I get is no. And I said, then why are you, then why are you uh, upset at him that he didn't give you what you want? Because you know what your desires are capable of. Because yes, yes. you don't know the future. You can make a foolish mistake. And even though you enjoy the pleasure of it, there is pleasure in sin for a season. And so that's the thing is that, so God's way of doing things is better. Why? Why? I'll tell you what. This is eye-opening. God's judgment on your life and his chastisement on your life is better than anything you can bless yourself, the world can bless you, and the devil can bless you. Can I repeat that again? God's chastisement is far better and preferable than whatever blessing you can receive from yourself and the world and the devil. And if you were to understand that, you would appreciate his chastisement. Why? Because your way of doing things is not dependable. It's capable of mistakes. It can bite back at you. And that ugly thing, be sure your sin will find you out. Yeah. And there are these people that, who people might think, oh, they haven't made for 80 years. No, they, no, you don't know the pain that they went through. But even if we were to fulfill that fantasy of 80 years at best, that a backslidden, worldly, lost person would go through, guess what? They will eat the dirt at the end. Yeah. Either in this life or up above. Yeah. God judges. Wow. Because sin has to pay. Yes. That's an inevitable law. My second point is accepting challenges. Accepting challenges. So, in our first point, when we go through the hurt, we understand there's a healing behind that, right? The blueness of a wound cleanseth away evil. The hurt of the chastisement, it heals us of our iniquities, of our payment and consequences of sin. And that's something that we have to understand. When you go through hurt, and if you think that it has to do with your sin, just know this. You're in a healing process, not a hurting process. Can I repeat that again? You're in a healing process, not a hurting process. God is cleansing away and showing you all the iniquities that you haven't seen before and the repercussions of your sins that you haven't seen before. And he's healing. That's good, brother. He's healing you. My second point is accepting challenges. Another healing that comes from our hurting is when God, you know sends us a hurt, and we haven't done anything wrong. So it's pretty obvious that when we go through suffering and we go through hurt, that we can see that it might attribute to our sin, right? Sin has a payment and a price. But it's another thing when you live right, that you go through hurt. When you've done nothing wrong. And you have to understand, it's healing to you. It's healing to you in the second point. question is, I would like to ask you this question is that uh, how many of you want to please the Lord? It's that simple. How many of you want to be a Christian who will get all the rewards up in heaven? Who will be the one that would be known as a spiritual Christian? Who want to be known as a righteous Christian? The one that does what's right. Some of you want to be great champions from the Lord, for the Lord, you know. Then if you want to please the Lord, guess what? All right, you ready now? Ready? 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 You need to get hurt. Ooh, newsflash, right? I thought I came to this church because 
I want to please the Lord. If I told everybody as soon as they came to church, get ready for a world of hurt. It's a pleasure to meet you, all right? Guaranteed, all right? Guaranteed. Run out of this church. None of you are going to come back, you know? None of you are going to come back, man. Why can't I be the pastor that just smiles all the time and says, God loves you and he will bless you and stuff like that? Then I could grow my church, right? You know why? Because you're going to hate me later on when you go yes, to church. That's right. Yes. And then you said you lied to me when everything was supposed to be nice and all that. That's good. So if you want to please the Lord, it's impossible. Listen up. It's impossible to come to this church to live for God, to serve Him, and to be a good Christian without hurt. That's right. Yeah. Impossible. What did you expect? Wow, how about that? 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 through 10. A verse you'll either hate or you'll either love. It's either or. Turned out to be my loving verse because it, many times I've hated it. <laughs> and lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me. Lest I should be exalted above measure... For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. Amen. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Amen. You want to become a stronger Christian for the Lord, and you have to go through weakness. You have to go through pain. Want that muscle to develop when you're working out. You need that pain that you're going yes, through. Yes. You need to push it. You need to push that muscle and let it hurt. And let it go through the pain. Yeah. And that yeah. way it can grow and you can become stronger. Remember, Jonathan? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Did I get it accurate right there? Okay. So. Triple A man. Yeah, triple A man. Okay, good. All right. That means I'm right. Okay. So the thing is, is that how can a person say he's a strong Christian? Listen up now. How can I tell you as a pastor that I'm a Holy Spirit-filled pastor? I can preach a powerful sermon that I'm the great Dr. Gene Kim or whatever online. How can I say that to you if I never went through pain in my life? And if I did not went through much pain in my life yeah. to become much used by the God, yeah. by the Lord Jesus Christ. This don't come without a price. This, this people here, everybody here, don't come without a price. Yeah. Amen, brother. Yeah. Come on, brother. Everybody here who came to church today went through something horrible. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the price to pay for this fellowship. Right. For this singing. Yes. For this joy during the time of crisis. Yes. For prayer for one another. Bearing each other's burdens. Yes. Getting to know somebody that you never thought would you would meet mm -hmm. and know. I mean, Sister Danielle Seeley, who would have thought, right? We, I mean, all that uh, we went to Pensacola the same time together, came back here the same time together. We didn't know each other from Adam. Who would have thought the Lord thought this day would come for us? You know why? She went through pain. I went through pain. Somebody else went through pain. How can you say that you will become a Christian used for the Lord? And how dare can I preach a sermon to you about pain if I never went through pain myself? And I mean much pain. But I have to keep it in. And I have to be strong. Why? Because there's a price I had to pay. Lord, I want to be used by you. And I want to preach. And mightily used by you. And go to the Bay Area. Uh, you want to be mildly used by me? You said you want to be the top ten people in heaven, Gene Kim. Don't, don't pray that prayer, all right? That was my mistake, all right? That was my mistake. I revised it. I revised it, man. I prayed that for years, too. So I, I'm eating the, I'm paying the price, all right? So 
But the thing is, is that God's like, you want to be used by me? Greatly used by me? Pain that you need to eat it. And I ate it year after year. I ate it for eight and a half years. And then I received my blessing. And the blessing is so good. And I got the power from the Lord. And I can preach and teach and help people out there who are going through their pain. Why? Because I went through something myself. How can, uh, that's why when challenges come in your life and what helped me when I went through my challenges to accept it with joy is the Lord's going to use me for something big. That's right. He made a promise to me that he'd give me fruit, that he blessed me, that he used me mightily through this pain. He made a promise to me and I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. And then I had to cling on to it. And I accepted the challenge and it made me a stronger Christian than ever before. <clears throat> How was Job able to become patient for God by going through pain? Yeah. How was Joseph able to become the greatest picture of Christ by resisting pleasure? How was, Dave, how was David able to make his kingdom the most powerful by suffering persecution? How was Jeremiah able to never quit his solitary preaching by being criticized by people? How was our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ able to become our redeeming priest by taking care of our sinful problems. And that's how these men made it in the Bible. That's how they become blessed and strong and powerful. And for a Christian who loves Jesus and wants to be drawn closer to him, you want to be drawn closer to his side, you got to be drawn closer to the side where they thrust that spear, that pain. Yeah. You need to go right over there. Yeah. And they experience what he experienced. And not just... Like John leaning on Jesus' bosom. And I can imagine that spear pierced on Jesus' side. But not just leaning over there. Jesus, let's go in a little deeper, child. You feel that? You're not just hearing it now. You're not just feeling it on the surface. You're feeling my pain now a little bit? Yeah. Oh, it hurts, Lord. Is this what you went through for me? Yeah. You love me so much? You love me that much, Jesus? Yeah. How about you? Do you love me, says Jesus? Experience a little bit what I felt here. Become closer and one with me. Wow. And that's by what? Accepting the challenge. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 12 says, All right, I don't know. Everyone violated this verse. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So, in other words, the Bible says that everyone who suffers, uh, everyone who lives righteously for God, they must, they must, they must, they must, they must suffer pain. Why? Because that's what the Word of God says. So, the, there is a saying, you should thank God that you're being persecuted because what it means is you're living right. All right, you know why we're, uh, we appreciate the punishment is we're on the road to right. But then when we go through suffering without any wrongdoing that we did, it's because we are living right. We are already in the right. So that should comfort you. Well, you know, uh, what can comfort you through the pain is, well, I must be doing something right. I must be doing something right rather than something wrong. And that should encourage you. Sometimes uh, in our Christian walk, we don't know if we live well enough for him, right? And I know some of you who start out your Christian walk and you want to please the Lord, you feel like you haven't done enough for the Lord. But I know that most of you went through some kind of pain. And that should encourage you that God is speaking to you saying, you're on the right track. Lord, and you're carrying that heavy cross. Lord, am I doing my Christian walk as much as I should? And God's like, well, I'll sh you'll know, you'll know. And then your hand goes right through the, the nail goes right through your hand into that cross. And God's like, <laughs> and you're like, ow, it hurts. And then God's like, see, you are carrying your cross. You are taking the cross. That's good. Yeah. That's confirmation. Yeah. You know, I, I like how the King James Bible said, yay. You know, so it's like, Y-E-A. It's like God wants you to say, yay! All that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Now, no one did that. Yeah. But, uh... But maybe some of you should start doing that. The closest you'll ever get to that is come to our street preaching. All right, That's the closest that you'll get into that. Some of our idiot street preachers, when someone cusses at them, they'll go, Yeah! 
praise the Lord. I got a gold crown in heaven. I go, yeah, yeah, God bless you, brother. And they're like, yeah. But that's the closest you'll ever get. When's the last time when you suffered a tragedy and a loss that you would say, yay, glory to God. And when you're going through pain, you fall on your knees and say, glory to God. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Unthinkable. John Wesley is known to be one of the holiest men that you'll ever read in your life. I think him and the Apostle Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul are the top two people in heaven, I think. One day, John Wesley, well, he was riding along a road, and then one time it dawned upon his mind that three whole days, not one brick or egg had been thrown at him. Now, you might say, wow. what do you mean by that? Wow. That means he was used to every day people throwing a brick at him, or, or eggs at him or stuff at him. Why? Because he was preaching the gospel yeah. to the people. Us, we heart, we didn't get that at all. All, all. all we got was a cuss word. That's about it, you know. That's all you got. But John Wesley, he was used to people throwing bricks and eggs at him. So guess what John Wesley did? He wasn't actually happy about that. Oh, three whole days of street preaching and no one uh, threw stuff at me. Praise the Lord. No, he was depressed. He was like, He's like, can it be that I have sinned and backslidden? Because he took that verse seriously. Yea, and all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So he's like, Lord, am I, am I getting too comfortable? Have I sinned against you? Am I not living right? And then Wesley began to pray to the Lord to show him if there be any fault in him. And then all of a sudden, while he was praying, a rough fellow on the other side of the edge recognized John Wesley. And then he said, I'm going to fix that Methodist preacher. And then he, he took a brick and he tossed it at him where it could have killed him. But the brick missed him and bang, right there on the wall. And then what did Wesley do? Oh, I'm so scared. No, Wesley, he said, thank God. And he leaped up in the air for joy. <laughs> yeah, he sure fixed that Methodist preacher. All right. <laughs> Gave him more of the joy of the Lord. You know what that is? That's being joyous through persecution, through challenges that the Lord puts upon your life. First Peter 2.24 says, Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. Isaiah 53 verse 5 says, But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. So in this verse it shows healing through the hurt Jesus Christ went through to save our souls from hell. You know, some Christians may never want to accept the hurt, but what if Jesus Christ had the same mentality like you? That's right. You and I would be lost. That would mean that you and I would burn in hell. There is no salvation. Yet Jesus Christ, why did he accept the pain and the hurt? Because he loved us. Yeah. And that's the same thing is that the, you Christians should be willing to accept the hurt. But it's hard to just accept hurt. But if you love Christ as much as he loved you, that would transform your thinking. The only thing that people will understand true love besides friendship would probably be in a romantic relationship or having a child. That's probably the closest you can get. But that's where you can experience love and sacrifice and you do anything for the person. Jesus did that all and much more for you. He moved mountains for you. He changed history. He changed the historical timeline, calendar of today, just by his death for you. That's how much he loved you. I mean, you can't love him halfway just halfway and go through half hurt for him. He went through so much hurt for you. At least take a third of it for him. Accept the challenge. Because Jesus healed us through our hurt, we could probably do the same likewise. My third point is a pointing charge, a pointing charge. And this is where I get the most peace at. Is I always think about the one who holds my tomorrow. And no matter what pain and suffering I go through, it helps me through my hurt. And that's my healing. Now, God is obviously the one in charge. And, you know, 
because God is the one in charge of everything that goes on in our world, the mind is endless on why God, why God, why God. The most important question in your life should be what must I do to be saved? But it's so amazing that the most important question in people's life is why God, why God, why God, why God, why God? Lost and saved people. Lost and saved people. Why did God do this? Why did God allow these bad things to happen? There's such a bitterness against the existence of an all-good God. Why? Because God is in charge of everything. Uh, you know one thing I learned? One thing I learned is this. If you were in charge of everything and you were in God's shoes, you'd have it worse. Because you don't understand everything that the system is in place, how sin and holiness are to be taken seriously, how love and grace are to be taken seriously, how you should have every time implemented in place, and that you would know that despite of a thousand times you shed mercy and grace upon this sinful universe, that they will still let you down. You have to die for them too. You take God's place then. You be the one crucified on the cross. You be the one letting the enemy spit on your face. You be the one to say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And you better mean that too. You be the one where the Bible says that Christ died for our enemies. You be that one. Before you blame God. You take God's job. Because he already take, took your job as a human. And guess what? He did a perfect job in your place. Yes, sir. And you yes. failed in your job. Amen. What makes you think you'll do a better job than God when you take his job? Amen, brother. So I learned all the arguments. The most, uh, the most concentrated arguments against the existence of God is not science. Correct. Isn't that amazing? Yep. It's not science. Okay? And it's not science. You know what it is? It's the existence of his goodness. It's pain. It's suffering. That's the number one argument against the existence of God. That's amazing to me. Because even if, even if I were to tell you uh, that there is a God that exists, and then you go, well, why does he allow pain and suffering to happen? And then I say this, okay, let's say that there's an evil God, okay, and allow pain and suffering to happen. Would you believe there's still a God? They still wouldn't believe. See that? It's not about pain and suffering. The thing is about them, they don't care if he truly exists or not. And pain and suffering don't really debunk the existence of God. In their mind, it's all emotional. See that? Yep. It's not intellectual. It's all emotional. Yep. Because even if there is a God that exists that allowed pain and suffering to happen, I mean, you're, you're not open-minded to accept that kind of a God. You know why you can't? Because it's not intellectual. It's emotional. Right. It's emotional. Right. There are so many stories and people talking about evil gods and God. So the issue is that even if there is a God, even if there is a God who exists and there is scientific proof, but he just don't meet your expectations, see? It right if it doesn't please your emotions, that makes you automatically reject him. That's your problem. Christians, I mean, I've learned all the philosophy and uh, theological arguments about this. I mean, they say that Christians believe in miracles, didn't Jesus use miracles to heal some people from their pain and suffering? So why didn't God use the miracles to stop some of the pain and suffering? It's simple, because if God healed that pain and that pain and that pain, what would happen to all the other sufferings in our yep. world? Yep. If God healed your pain, because you're not a special exception. There are plenty of people who suffered worse than you. I know that your pain is special, okay? That you have a, someone who passed away and died. But guess what? There are plenty of millions out there who suffered worse than you did through that. So I'm not making light of your pain, but I'm trying to tell you that your pain is not that unique. Yeah. And you're not a special exception. Amen, right. That God has to heal and intervene. Yeah. Because there are millions more that God has to do. Then what would happen if God did all those other, other sufferings too? You know what's going to happen? Then there is no such thing as suffering. There is no such thing as consequence of sin. Right. Yeah. You know what right. the consequence of sin is? Death. Yeah. That's why people die. Consequence of sin is crime. That's why there's criminal behavior and activities going around in the world. That's why there's murder going on. People suffer from murder and etc. The 
the government system, their folly on their way of handling things. Their sins affect all of the nation. What did you expect? See, so the thing is, is that you got to understand this. All of this comes from sin, not from God. And if God intervened every time that sin was in the picture, then there is no such thing as consequence of sin. There's no such thing. The question then goes, how can God allow good people to suffer through horrifying situations? Like there are many Christians who suffer persecution from communist countries, right? Or the millions who died at the Holocaust. So why would God allow good people to go through that? Well, the problem is, is that what you don't understand, again, the answer is sin. It's common sense in life that good people suffer. Good people suffer. Why? Because of mankind's decision of sin. And it affects somebody else out there. Why do you think that we see, quote-unquote, crack babies suffering? You know why? The sins of their mothers are taking the drugs that they took. Sin is some you don't understand how horrible sin is. Yeah. You make a light play of sin. Well, I don't see a big deal with me or other people, but see, that's what sin does. It plays with you. Yeah. And then it unconsciously will affect somebody else without you even knowing to. Didn't yeah. you know that? Yeah. It'll hurt some innocent bystander out there without you even knowing. Yeah. That's how horrible sin is. You think sin is just a fair and a good game to play with? That's how awful sin is. But you know what God does? He is so merciful that he would, when he has these good people going through suffering, that he would turn it for good. That's what we mean by God letting bad things happen to good people so he can use it for good. It's not because he deliberately does it that way to make your life miserable. No, it's because it's an inevitable thing people go through bad things. But God could have just left it that way then. But God instead intervened and said, you know what? I'm going to somehow turn this bad thing into a good thing. That's what we mean about God allowing bad things happen to good people. It's not because God deliberately lets it happen or makes it happen. It's because it's an inevitable thing that happens to everybody. But God would put his hand to it behind it every step of the way because he's appointed charge. And guess what? It's amazing he's willing to accept all the blame, the bitterness, and the whining from you when he's appointed charge. And he said, I'm just trying to help you, child. But he would take your bitterness, your pain, and your complaint, and your whining to him. If you were in his shoes, you would have just given up on that child. and said, fine then, all right? Then I'm not going to do anything to it. And guess what? You'll still go through pain. You might escape one pain that you're trying to run away from, but another one will catch up. Another argument is, well, I can't imagine eating a fruit off a tree, you know, would cause all this pain to happen in our world. That, that What a horrible God. What a horrible God. I think this is your problem. You don't understand how wicked and unfair and powerful one minor sin is. Right, right. Yeah, right. Think about it, okay? You try running, uh, every, even the most hardcore liberal will admit this, all right? If you're the president of the United States and you make one decision, even if it's what you deem to be minor, it has a major effect and impact on all of society. Yeah. I think you don't understand the nature and the consequence of sin. That's how wicked and evil sin is, which is why God doesn't want us to sin. But you know what's amazing? Is that God, I, another thing you fail to understand is God is infinite, infinite, infinite in holiness. And if God lets all these sins continue to slide, 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 and no consequence, holiness disappears and it's out of the picture. And then we go back to Genesis 6 where evil reigns throughout all the world. And guess what? Then Satan would be God, not God. God has to be God. He must be God. And the only way to do that is no sin. And sin must be judged. Sin must be paid. But he's infinite in that. Look, if he's not infinite in his holiness, he cannot be God. He can't exist. That's right. Because his state of Godhood is at stake here. He has to do this. Do you understand that? That's why 
Look at that. If his holiness is infinite, imagine the payment for sin, how oh, yeah. long it is. Yes, it is infinite. Yes, sir. That's why hell is forever. That's right. Yeah. Why? The payment is infinite to God's holiness. So, what did God do? God worked it out where he can put his grace and mercy where I'll pay the infinite payment of Thank sin. Lord. Through my infinite suffering and sacrifice, yeah, my great. eternal blood, and let it wash away the sin. Amen. Isn't he gracious and merciful yes, to sir. us? Yeah. He's so gracious and merciful to you and I. So we can't be bitter at God. We got to be more appreciative, don't you think? Because him being appointed charge of everything is better than how you and I would handle it. <laughs> You know, we don't really understand how truly good God is in the middle of pain and suffering. Our problem is we diminish his goodness. If there is something that it should be the opposite, the more pain and suffering and hurt that you go through and unfairness in life you go through, it should prove more the awesomeness of his goodness. How great and good God is to you. You might say, why? All you have to do is this, then let God out of the picture. That's it. Then let's see how our world would go. Ready? Go. Go! I mean, some of the things that I say to people, if you want to sin, then go ahead and sin. If you want to quit on God, then go ahead and quit. You know why? Because I know that no matter what is preached or what God teaches, the fleshly nature is so blind that sometimes even though you pray for them and work with them, one thing I learned as a pastor is you need to let them go. And I get some people who get grieved about that. I try to teach them, look, there's something you can do. If so-and-so don't come back, you got to let them go. Yeah. you got to pray that the Lord deals with the yeah. person. Yeah. Right. You know why? That's the only way they'll truly learn. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. And they learn that when they do things their own way, then the Lord shows, then they realize, man, I need to, man, without God, yeah. if I go my way rather than God's way, I finally realize how hurtful, yeah. how hurtful life can be. Yeah. yeah. And if you don't think so, then just take out God, all right? Look, I'm telling you, take out God and do what you want now. Can you live without God? Can you do what you want? All of us are weak. We're incapable. You, do you realize that this preacher is not the great Dr. Gene Kim? Do you realize that? If I were to be truly honest with you, if I did everything my way without God, I would not even be here. I'd probably be homeless out on the street too, didn't you know that? I'd probably be that too. I know that's hard to believe and you guys think that I'm so smart, but I somehow fooled you, okay? But I am really incapable, all right? The ones who would know it is my brother, my mother, and my dad, all right? So don't ask them, all right? They would know how incapable I was. I had zero common sense. I couldn't make anything in life. Every job that I went to was a failure, and I always made mistake after mistake after mistake. Why do you think I can preach this kind of message that can help and encourage somebody? Because I went through so much pain and mistakes myself, and I fell into sin myself. So I can preach this kind of message to Amen. you. Be preaching. Amen. I know where I would be without God. How about you? Think about it. Because of God, where did you reach so far? What did he bless you in? What did he pull you out of? You so, you so easily forget. Johnny Erickson, for some of you who may have heard her or have not, uh, when she, she died at a lower water depth and then she snapped her neck. She obviously could not move her arms and her legs and she became a quadriplegic as a result. She faced tremendous pain. She faced broken up relationships. No one wanted to hold a good relationship with her because of her condition. And you know, Johnny, she even confessed every sin in the book. She said, Lord, what, el what else did I done wrong? And she confessed, and she confessed everything, but she's still going through pain. And she couldn't understand why she had to face so much hurt. But when she finally made a surrender to the Lord and said, Lord, I finally surrender, and I'll just let you take control, not me. I'm going to stop thinking about it, wondering why. Look, I just give up. Lord, you just take control of my life. I'm just going to, I don't know your plan. You just do what you want like that. And what happened is the Lord did. The Lord turned her into a way where she was able to paint and become a great artist herself. 
But I thought she can't use her hands, Pastor. That's right. She used her mouth. Took that brush with her mouth and painted wonders like this. Through such tremendous talent, she testified to other people who suffered the same condition as her. There was a soldier who went through the hell of the Vietnam War. You talk about suffering right there and pain. But he, he lost his eye at the Vietnam War, and then he was touched by Johnny Erickson's testimony and saw the, the, the artwork that she did, and he couldn't believe it. And he's like, I don't understand how could you do it. What, how, what pushed you through the pain to accomplish this? And he's a soldier from the Vietnam War. He should be the one that could tell her what to do, but he was the one being taught by her. You know what Johnny said to that soldier? I would rather be in a wheelchair knowing Jesus than not be on a wheelchair without him. That hit that guy. He got the gospel real hard. One thing I've learned is this, no matter what kind of hurt a Christian suffers, this means that the Christian is still the most blessed person Amen. above anyone else who's Amen. lost and not living right for the Lord. You know why? Because the ultimate difference is this. It's not pleasure, money, houses, prosperity, and the comfortable feeling of the flesh. You know what it is? It's a God who's in control and you relinquish all control to him. And there's a peace that goes beyond understanding that during the coronavirus and during our blowout revivals and during the time where people are migrating to a different state and me, I'm still young and I feel like I'm incapable, that it's, it's strange, Brother Sean, compared to eight years ago, I have more peace compared to Amen, brother. five years ago. And I had to make worse decisions throughout the past year than the past seven years ago. It's strange. And only the people who are uh, in my family would know that too. I've changed so much. Why? I've been through enough where I relinquish control and let God yes, control. Yes. You've seen the place where I'm living at now. You've seen my life now. You've seen how God sent me somebody in my life and all these things. Amen. And you've seen how God took care of us. There is no doubt there is a God. Amen. And there is no doubt it's best to just relinquish control. Yes, sir. Yeah. When we Christians face all kinds of hurt in our lives, one thing I've learned throughout this entire message is this. The Lord, he does not take us out of the hurt. He takes us through. Because healing comes. Healing comes from hurting. When I saw what laid before me, Lord, I cried, what will you do? I thought he would just remove it, but he gently led me through. Without fire, there's no refining. Without pain, no relief. Without flood, there's no rescue. Without testing, no relief. Through the fire, through the flood. Blood, 
take us through. Amen, amen. Thank you, Lord. Every head bow and every eye shut. Would you go through? So many people want out the hurt. Through. 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 You'll never get out of the hurt. Remember that. Because sin always exists. That's right. You'll never get out of the hurt. You go through the hurt. And you can go through it with God. And so when life is given to him, and there's a peace beyond understanding. You know, he's the one that I pour out my complaint, my bitterness, and my pain, and he accepts it because he's in point of charge, and he's willing to open my eyes, blinded eyes a bit, and show me, this is what I'm trying to show you and teach you, and I go, oh, I see now. I see. You know, if you're not saved in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you're to die today, are you 100% sure you would go to heaven? If you don't know that, then you don't have God in charge of your life. You only have yourself. And you know, I mean this. I really hope that you have a happy life by yourself. And I mean that. You know why? Because I know it's not going to last forever. Sin always has pleasure. It will. But it's only for a season. And I really mean it. If you're lost and without God and you have a happy life, I wish you the best. Those celebrities, they can have more. I really mean that. I really mean that. Because they're... The time will come where so much pain will come. I don't want you to go through the pain. I want you to get saved in Jesus Christ and go to heaven with me. Don't pay for your sin with hellfire for eternity. To be saved is so easy. So easy. First step, sin puts you to hell. Isn't that simple to understand? You might go, well, I know that. I'm going to go to hell because of my sin. Second step, Jesus is God who died, buried, and resurrected. Now, you know that story a thousand times, but you don't really understand why. He did all that so his blood can wash away your sin. Remember, sin must be paid. It always has a price. But Jesus paid it for you by dying. So, why do you go to church to, get, to go to heaven? Why do you try to clean up your sin to go to heaven? Why are you trying to be a good person to go to heaven? That's not how you go to heaven. Jesus already paid it for you. So you just simply need to, number three, just simply tell him that you believe and you receive it. It's that simple. That God, I only rely on that to save me. Isn't that easy? 10, 10 seconds, 15 seconds or less. You might say, well, I don't know how to say it to the Lord. Pastor, can you help me out? Sure. I'll give you the words how to say it. You can repeat after me. But remember this. Repeating words in a prayer will never ever save you. you got to mean it with your heart. It's trusting in his death, burial, and resurrection. What he actually did on the cross. Just trusting in that action that he did for you to save you. I'll give you the words on how to say it. And you don't have to say it out loud. And I'm not going to point you out. Just say it to yourself this way. Dear God, I repent as a sinner, I believe Jesus is God who died, buried, and resurrected so his blood can wash away my sin. I only trust in that alone to save me, not my good works. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. If you would bow your head and close your eyes just one last time, please, one last time, and I'll wrap it up now. It's out of respect for people who want to retain their privacy. So know this. No one knows who you are. I'm not going to point you out. Could you slip up your hand real briefly if you just repeated the words after me and God's sake? Could you just slip up your hand real briefly so I can pray? All right. Praise the Lord. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you for your honesty. Let's close with a word of prayer. God, my Father, I want to thank you so much for the souls who were willing to receive your Son for salvation. And thank you so much for the promise of your word that you would be taking charge of my life. Thank you. I don't know. I can't say for everyone here, but I can say for myself. Thank you for taking charge of my life, Father. Thank you so much that you're the king on the throne and I'm not. 
Thank you, Father, that you are the one who takes in all the pain, all the future, and everything that goes. And all I have to do is just relinquish control and just go by how you lead me, Lord. All I do is follow. You're the one leading me. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that today's preaching has touched and changed people's lives. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, you all have a wonderful Sunday. Thank you so much. You all have a wonderful Sunday.